Good evening, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Sunday Service. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 10 commandments of creative finance, things that you should not break, things that you should know about, things that should protect you or help you empower yourself in creative finance. So welcome, welcome. You guys are on my YouTube channel. Thank you so much for subscribing. I think we just had 108,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, which is a big deal. Um, I think less than 0.025% of channels ever hit 100,000 marks. So thank you guys so much for your support, your love. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much. All right. So number one, number one, the first commandment of creative finance is never buy a negative cash flowing deal. Okay. Never buy a negative cash flowing deal. Now, I find this very, very um, often. People will come to me and they don't know how to underwrite or look at a creative finance deal. So what we'll do in the future is we will talk about these things. We'll break these down for you guys. Number one, don't, okay, don't buy a negative cash flowing deal. Now, what's interesting about a negative cash flowing deal is that there are more than one exit strategy in creative finance. That is what's so powerful about creative finance is that I can buy a deal. And even if it doesn't cash flow, I have so many different exit strategies in order to um, make a deal work. So for example, I've got a deal. I'll pull it up right now. I've got a deal um, I bought a couple of months ago. It's on Morton. I will tell you guys just the street name, but I'll show you the address. YouTube does not want me showing anything or I'm sorry, YouTube doesn't want me um, saying addresses. So I'll show it to you guys. Hopefully this will be beneficial to you. This is a house that I bought a couple months ago. Really great deal. The deal is a zero down, 0% seller finance deal, but it actually did not cash flow immediately. And I want to tell you guys that you don't buy cash flowing deals. If a deal, a deal doesn't cash flow, what do we do? So that's what I want to talk about for about, probably about 10, 15 minutes before I get to commandment number two. Okay. So here we go. Um, this deal, you'll see the address in the house right here. Internet's being funky. That's really funny. I wonder why it's doing that. Let's restart it. There it is. Okay, cool. So you can see I just bought it. Barely closed on it, maybe three months ago, four months ago. Fresh deal. If you look at the deal, you'll also see that this is a um, house or a property that actually has two houses on it. Okay. Looks like one house when you're looking at it right here. But the reality is you close this out, you hit satellite, and you will see that this property actually has two houses on it. Okay. Right here, you've got a three-bed three bath and a three bed, two bath. Both of them have two car garages. You can see one driveway is here and the other one driveway is there. Really good size lot. Um, there's It's next to multifamily. It's kind of a funky little area of Phoenix. Um, I live really far away from here. I live probably a 45 minute drive is what it would take to get me to there. If there's no traffic, 20 minutes, but uh, 45 minutes all the way over here, kind of not the greatest part of town. Okay, not the greatest part of town. It's not horrible. It's just not the greatest. It's, you know, kind of older. It needs to have people go through it. This used to be a really like popping mall right here. And um, they're like shutting it down, redoing a lot of it. There's just a lot of things going on in this area. So 
not a great Airbnb area, especially like next to this and whatever. You can see people, oh, oh my gosh, I know this property. This is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I got to tell, I got to call Eric Nix. Uh, this is a deal like four years ago I bought and you can see the dumpster in the side. This was a hoarder house. This house has a basement. This is a whole guest house. This is a whole another guest house. They have three properties on this house. And I remember negotiating with um, the seller on this thing like seven years ago. I can't believe this is still like that old of an image. Imagery, imagery 2022. No, there's no way. This photo was taken a long time ago. So anyway, I bought this deal right here. Zero down, 0% 0 seller finance. And you'd say, okay, well, how does that not cash flow? Well, here's what happens a lot of times in seller finance deals is that when you're working out the payment structure with a seller, a lot of times the sellers say, okay, well, it's zero down, 0% 0 interest, but what are you going to pay me on a monthly basis, right? Cash flow wise. And I always ask the seller, what do you want? And this seller said $3,500 for both houses. That's what they want for a seller finance payment. All right. Now the challenge with that is this that in a traditional rental market, both of these properties maybe rent for about $1,800 per month each, okay? So if I'm paying the seller, right, my seller's payment, again, they sold it to me on seller finance. If you guys don't understand seller finance, go watch videos on my channel about seller finance. What is seller finance? And I'm making payments to the seller for basically the next 30 years, not 30 years, so 20 years for 3,500 bucks at 0% interest, okay? Now, here's the problem. If each one of those houses is renting for 1,800 and I have two of those houses, I'm bringing in $3,600 per month. All right, well, some people would look at that and go, okay, well, Pace, you're cash flowing 100 bucks, you know? You're bringing in a hunt, you're bringing in a 3,600, you're paying the sellers 3,500. Well, in seller finance, my payment to the seller does not include taxes or insurance. It doesn't include maintenance costs, right? It doesn't include utilities, vacancy, all of those types of things. So really my cost to own these properties is $4,500 a month, okay? Because my payment to the seller is $3,500. My utility, not my utilities, because my tenant will pay that stuff, but my taxes, insurance, and maintenance is another thousand. A little bit of vacancy and, and thrown in there, about a thousand bucks a month. So $4,500. So if I can bring in $3,600 on rents, I'm losing $900 a month on that deal. All right. So out of the gate, I normally go, nope, stay away from that. But here's what happens when you have a deal that's going to negative cash flow. What you do is you look at different exit strategies. Okay. So a good exit strategy, typically you're going to go A, most people are going to go, okay, rental, right? Rental is going to be kind of the lower one. B, you're going to then move into like lease options. You're going to have a little bit more money, elevated um, income. A C would be a wrap, would be a little bit elevated payment. Then you start getting into some of the higher elevated stuff, right? Like midterm rentals. Um, then you got short-term rentals. Okay, then you've got sober living. Okay, and that's what I actually decided to do on this deal. I said, how can I, how can I make this deal cash flow? How can I make this deal cash flow? And I ended up saying sober living was a good fit for me. So I actually found a sober living company because I don't want to be a sober living company. I found a sober living company to rent the property from me at 
check it out, $2,500 per month, okay? So $2,500 a month, way more inflated rent. I don't have to manage or maintain a tenant. Now that property is bringing $5,000 a month. And if my cost for that property every month is $4,500, well, guess what? I now make $500 a month. What's better about this is that now I did not break cardinal sin or commandment number one, which is always make sure you are breaking even or cash flowing on a multi, um, on, sorry, on a creative finance deal. So I'm making $500 a month, which is great. Um, Sam Johnson, you are asking questions that are not related to the topic at hand. So I'm going to choose not to pay attention. I'm very sorry. Um, so Travis Bank says, which company did you use for sober living? So I know a guy named Patrick here locally does sober living. Um, Robert says, what is sober living? Sober living is where people who are coming out of rehab or they're coming out of drug situations or maybe even battered women, uh, maybe we're escaping a bad situation. The government actually puts them on some sort of payment plan. Sometimes it's called disability. Sometimes it's other types of assistance from the government. And they pay them. They give them enough money that they go find a place to rent. And you, a sober living house will um, charge $600 or $700 or sometimes $800 per bed. Not per room, per bed. Right. So let's think about this. If I have two houses on this particular property, I already showed you on Google Earth, the house, the address, et cetera. I have these two houses. And in one house, I can have nine people. and the other person, I can have nine people. And if each property can bring in essentially $650 per person, right, per bed times nine, what is that number? That number is going to be pretty uh, substantial. It's going to be uh, nine Let's do uh, nine times 650. Nine times 650. $5,850 per month per bed or per house. Okay. Way more inflated income by doing sober living. Now, I'm not the one running the sober living. So I'm not the one re bringing in that $5,800. Okay. It is the tenant. I'm leasing this to a sober living company. I do not want to do sober living. It is a business I do not want to be in. I'm perfectly fine renting to them at an inflated rent rate, but I do not want to run a sober living facility because I don't care. It's because I just, that's not my business model. Okay. So $5,850. There you go. James Phillips says, when years ago I was in prison, they sent me there. Okay, this is a high in-demand exit strategy, okay? Very, very high in-demand in, in exit strategy. So that person who's renting it from me, his name's Patrick. I could give you guys his cell phone number, but he only does Arizona, okay? So Patrick is bringing in 5,800 times two. So he's bringing in $11,700 monthly in rent by doing sober living on those two properties. Pretty cool. Okay, so what does that do? It allows me to rent the properties to him at a more inflated rate. And what was even cooler about this is that it gives me the opportunity to not have to maintain, deal with, or even renovate the properties. A lot of people will go through and say, okay, well, now I got to own the property and I got to renovate it and I got to do these things and get it ready for a tenant. Guess what? Do you think sober living people not to demean them, but it is the nature of the business. 
they i don't have to clean up the yard i don't have to do landscape i don't have to do anything i literally just let them move in it saved me a bunch of money on renovating the property and so that deal went from not cash flowing as a tr traditional rental and i just kind of went down the line okay i just went down the line of what are the things i could have done i could have done a rental well rental's not going to cash flow okay and eh, not going to do it lease option wasn't going to cash flow wrap wasn't going to cash flow midterm nope short term nope the thing that was going to, um, and why would midterm and short-term not cash flow? I already answered it because this is not a great area for Airbnb. A lot of crime, a lot of issues that Airbnb is really not going to be happy about. Um, so sober living was the winner, right? So before you make a determination of just getting rid of the deal, make sure you go through that checklist of, okay, it doesn't cash flow as a rental, but what about the other exit strategies, okay? Now, if it doesn't cash flow, on any of these things, there's still something you can do. There's still something you can do, okay? Is, um, and this is commandment number three, so I'll get, I'll get to this a little bit more in depth, okay? Commandment number three is when in doubt, wholesale. Okay, that's commandment number three. So when in doubt, just wholesale it. When you're unsure of the paperwork, wholesale it. If you're not a sub two student and you don't understand how to negotiate, structure, do all these kind of things, and you're not in my community, then make sure you wholesale it. Wholesale it to a sub two student. Wholesale it to me. Wholesale it to somebody that does know what they're doing. Or wholesale it to an end buyer. Because the only people on the planet that don't care about whether a property cash flows or not are, okay, people who live in the houses. I don't know, my house, my personal house doesn't cash flow, obviously I live here, okay? Um, the negotiator, the only place that I ever give uh, uh, contracts are to my students. I give away so much, so much, so much all the time. We spent a couple million dollars on our YouTube channel the last couple of years. One thing I will never give away is contracts on my, my uh, YouTube channel, okay? So if you guys need contracts, do deals with my students, all right? So there's, Commandment number three, but I skipped number two because I needed to go to three. Commandment number two, one of my favorites, okay? Commandment number two is never put your brain in the seller's head. Now, why is that such an important one? This is such an important one because what ends up happening is I see so many people they ask the questions all the time. They say, why would a seller do that? Why would a seller do that? Well, you're asking that question because you're inexperienced. You've never talked to a seller. Um, you also don't know how to do sales negotiations. So you've never actually extracted the situations. Um, there's always a reason why a seller does a zero down, 0% 0 seller finance deal. There's always a reason why a seller will let you take over their existing payments. There's always a reason. And when you think like an investor and you're negotiating with a seller who's going through something or has a motivation to sell, you are taking your experiences, your desires, and you are projecting on that human being or in essence, taking your brain, your experiences, the sponge that is your brain, all the experiences, the beliefs, everything. You're taking that brain out and you're putting inside of their head. Okay, well, in that situation, if you took your brain out of your head and you put your brain in their head, then they would be you right? You're not negotiating with yourself. So you got to remember 
Never put your brain, never put your experiences, who you are, your desires, what you're trying to accomplish in the seller's head. Never, 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 never. Okay. Um, Zach Pate says, this one hindered me from taking action when I first started. Great point, Zach. Okay. Um, they, you will run into so many deals and so many opportunities where you will just turn them down or you won't even look at them or you will sit here on Sunday service and you'll say, why, 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 why would a seller, right? I get this all the time. Why would they? Okay. Well, listen to my, listen to all my stories, all the deals I do. I give you guys the addresses. I show you guys HUDs. I show, show you settlement statements. I tell you stories. I've had a lot of sellers and testimonials all over our YouTube channel. So, you know, why people do things. In fact, if you go to um, the YouTube channel, this was a, this is a really good video. I think it was one of the more underrated, amazing videos. And it's because no offense to my team, but also partly offense to my team. Um, I love you guys, but holy moly. Um, I flew to San Angelo, Texas to specifically film this video for you guys. Let's see. Let's type it in. Um, I'll do a little screen share for you guys. I, man, I just get this question so many times and people go, why, man, Pace, I saw your ad or I saw your this or I saw your that. And I don't understand why a seller would do this. Well, I'm like, well, cause you're putting your brain in the seller's head. So let's type in just about anything you can imagine. Pace Morby, um, Pace Morby seller finance. Let's see here if we can find it. I know I could, oh, there it is right there. Why would a seller sell on seller finance? That's a lot of sells in there. Why would a seller sell on seller finance? So a couple of months ago, I made a video. It's 11 minutes long. And Mario, my seller, went through and named 10 reasons why he gave me a zero down 43 unit multifamily deal, okay? Mario breaks this all down and really gives you an understanding of, hey, what are, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? This is a phenomenal video for you to hear it from the seller's mouth. I'll give you guys the link of exactly why a seller would sell to you on seller finance. And so I, I see this as a major reason you guys see this at Zach Pate in the comments saying, hey, this was actually one of the reasons why I didn't take action in the beginning is because I was sitting here thinking, why would a seller do that? Why would a seller do that? Why would a seller do that? Okay. Um, this is awesome. Um, Leticia says, I'm actually... Uh, really enter. I'm this model. I work for a clinic where the patients who go there and boy, a crap load of money per person. And most of them go there quite often. Okay. Yeah. She's talking about sober living, all that kind of stuff. All right. Um, yeah. There's a lot of sober living companies all over the country. Guys, this is one of the cool things about the world that we live in is that we got this powerful thing called Google. So let's do this. I'll show you guys how I would find a sober living facility because people are now hung up on this. They don't care about the they don't care about the commandments of creative finance. They don't care about that. People just want to ask the questions they want to ask. So let's do it. Let me show you guys what this looks like. It's very simple. A lot of you guys overthink just about everything in your life and you don't take action. So let's just show you how to take action. Okay. You want to know something? This is where we go for the most part. Creative finance is really hard to learn on Google, but um, we're not learning creative finance on Google. Here's what we're doing. We're going to type in sober living Minnesota. There's places right there, alcoholism, uh, alcoholism, St. Paul, sober living, SPL. So let's go to the maps. Look at all these sober living companies right here. Okay, these are your tenants. 
right? These people are looking for more properties. Look at this, 38 re reviews, right? So you're going to call a company that has good reviews. Look at that, Rejuvenate Homes. Okay, look at these guys. They're, they're rejuvenating people. They're renting out these individual beds, typically renting these beds out for like $650, $700, $800 every single month to an individual. Okay, they're revitalizing and getting people back into society from going through um, hardship, trauma, et cetera, maybe drug addiction, alcoholism, whatever. And see, already a couple of times or a couple of photos through, we're already seeing that there's more than two houses, right? There's just a second house. That's a third house. Okay, these guys have multiple houses that they are um, filling up. There's a fifth type of house, right? These are not the same houses as you guys can tell with the design and the year built and all that kind of stuff. So this is a company I think I would go to and I'd say, hey, guys, look at this cool community you guys have built. Rejuvenate Homes. These guys seem legit. They got their own little baseball team. In two minutes, I found somebody that I could call and say, I have a property that I would be willing to rent you and let you run a sober living company right there. Okay, James Phillips says, yep, six hundred every month, $600 per bed. Okay, um, Jason uh, says, sober living facilities, 40% cap rate in some areas. Yes, Horacio says, do you just reach out to them and tell, you, tell them you have a property you can rent out to them? That is exactly it. Okay, that is 100% it. So there you go. Um, yeah, there you go. Why ask why? Noah Hoffman, Airbnb manager extraordinaire, really smart, amazing guy. He says, why ask why? Just buy. I never got good at talking to sellers, but I've bought many from other sub two students. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Jason Johnson says, Pace, if I don't get a deal by Christmas, I'm going to need to be placed in a sober living facility like that. You know, I had a great three-day mastermind. In fact, this last week, um, I was home one day this whole week. I was in Orlando. I spoke at a multifamily event in Orlando, had a sub two meetup in Orlando that night, flew to Dallas that next day, spoke at a multifamily thing of my own that I created for my private money lenders, um, spoke on a stage in Dallas, and I then had a sub two meetup in Dallas. I then flew to Springfield, Illinois, had a sub two meetup in Springfield, Illinois, visited a property of mine in Springfield, Illinois. And then I came home for one day, spoke at Cody Sperber's event, uh, Clever Labs is what he calls it. And then the next day for the last three days, I've been running my own mastermind um, that I run rough, roughly every four months. And I have not had a moment to stop. This is literally like, this is the tail end of that week. I've been in five different states running, speaking, talking, teaching, doing all the things, connecting with people, making new friendships and relationships, doing deals with people, raising capital, doing all the things. And um, one of the things that I talked about in the mastermind today was like, all right, let's pull up your Google calendar, right? If you pull up your, your Google calendar right now and you showed me where your money-making activities are on your calendar and then highlight them in red, would I see an ocean of red like squares all over your calendar or would I see basically no red? right? So it's really that simple. Are you putting money-making activities on your calendar? Are you making it aware to yourself when you open up and look at your calendar that you have money-making activities blocked out, calling sellers, negotiating with wholesalers, whatever your exit strategy is, even it, or whatever your acquisition strategy is. Sometimes people in multifamily are like, Pace, I, don't, I haven't gotten a multifamily deal. I go, let's open up your Google calendar. Show me 
where you're blocking out your money making activities. I go, uh, I'm not. So anybody that's saying I'm not getting deals, I can guarantee you 100% of the time you have nothing on your calendar that is a money making activity. Nothing. Um, it is physically impossible. It is physically impossible for anybody in this business to try and get a deal and actually try to get a deal and not get a deal. It's physically impossible. If I sat next to you for a week and I said, hey, Jason, show me your calendar and you opened up your calendar and every day I followed you along at the end of the week by just taking notes, what would I have as a note? Would I say you're the hardest working person, super efficient with your time, constantly reaching out, making things happen, screwing things up on, you know, to learn, going through these lessons, uh, networking, negotiating, would I be saying that or would it say that for the most part, you're really not doing a lot, right? Hey, Nancy says she was there. Good to see you there, Nancy. Um, cool. Um, interesting. Good, good stuff. A lot of people are really excited about sober living. This is really interesting. This is really interesting. You guys want to turn this whole entire thing in about sober living. I do. I love it. <laughs> it is really good. Um, my girlfriend hates that I always have to put things on my Google calendar. Well, one day when it starts showing up and compounding, your girlfriend will be very happy when the when you can spend money on whatever you want. Okay. Are this is a great question. Are there neighborhoods who wouldn't allow a sober living house? Um, no, legally, federally, um, no HOA, and um, nobody can restrict a sober living house. There, that the um, the class of people that are going through sober living experiences are federally protected. Okay, so your state, your HOA gets overridden um, federally, and they are protected. So the answer is no. There is nobody, absolutely nobody, that can stop you from doing sober living. Cool. Do you ever rent to assisted living owners? So uh, I owned assisted living and behavioral health homes for a good amount of time. I bought them all on creative finance and I ran them myself. myself. And guys, I'm telling you right now, if you want to own and operate assisted living and behavioral health homes, it's the wrong business for you. I don't know anybody that really wants to do that. They, it, it, they go, I want to help people. I'm like, okay, you want to help how many people? I go, oh, as many people as I want. Okay, or as I can. As many people as I can. Okay, then don't run a sober living facility because you're only going to be able to help 10 people, 20 people. You want to help people? Go own more houses. Run a business that's scalable. Hire more people. Have more employees. Sober living, um, running sober living, running assisted living, running behavioral health and these types of things are so much more than just real estate. They're full on businesses inside of one property. So you actually are not a real estate owner. It's a business inside of a house, right? And um, there's people dying, managing dietitians, nurses. You're managing the government and their regulations and all the things that they put on you constantly. So I used to run them. And then one day my partner, Eric, and I, we said, man, let's sell these properties. Let's get out of this business. This is non-scalable. Everybody in this business is either like a massive corporation or a small little mom and pa. And we just didn't want to go and build that type of business to that level. We decided we want to do other businesses that fit our passion more, um, had less moving parts, less human beings, less licenses, less government oversight, less regulation, all of those types of things. So for me, um, I, would I would not get into that, okay? 
Um, are you coming to Temecula, California today? Uh, yes. We actually, for those of you guys that know this, we are, Jamil and I are doing a, our first real estate event ever. Okay. It's called Real Estate Campfire. Let me give you guys the um, link. Real Estate Campfire. We're putting a waiting list together. It will be the first community building uh, real estate event in Temecula, California. Okay. Please sign up for realestatecampfire.com. There will be a point where we release it and people will say, holy moly, I missed out. Okay. Um, James Pr Prang says, I'm looking for a lender that will lend in second position. I am taking over a property subject too. So the original bank will be in the first position. I am looking for 20K. So James, I can tell you there's a lot of people in here that are my students that have a lot of private capital. We don't raise capital by being in the comments. We build relationships with people by being in the comments. And then we hope that we build a good enough relationship with people that people are willing and um, able to lend money to us. So spend more time talking about, hey, guys, let's get on a phone call after this, this uh, live. Okay. And build a relationship with people. And you will find that the average sub two student has about $60,000 in private capital to lend out. It's pretty cool. Um, Jeffrey Willis, today is not the day for wraps. Okay. Um, thank you so much. I would go into Stephen, Stephen Kohler says commandment number four. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep me on track, but you got to fight people in the side camp comments. Okay. All right. So who has signed up for realestatecampfire.com? Give me a yes in the comments. Okay. Give me a yes in the comments. Financially creative LLC. I think um, I'm going to be bringing my RV out there. So it should be a lot. Um, sober living is a lot. It is a lot. Do not become a sober living um, operator. Rent your properties to sober living operators. Let them do all of that. Okay. Let them do all of that. Um, Myron says, Pace, what would you recommend we focus on through the end of the year? For you, Myron, specifically, um, I would spend all of your time and energy on raising capital and building relationships with people. I just know you. I know where you're at in the multifamily side of things. And your biggest challenge at some point in 2023 is going to be all about raising capital. You're going to continue to come to me over and over and you're going to say, Pace, I don't have enough private money. And I'll say, it's because you don't have enough relationships, right? So spend more time like you have been in the sub two community and really be intentional. Okay. Re really be intentional about um, your relationships in there, making sure that they're gearing towards private capital raising. Like, hey, my name is Myron Briley and I'm looking for private money lenders. Um, I've been in sub two for over a year. What are you doing? What are you about? Tell me all about that. So the first thing people hear um, is exactly what you're being intentional about. All right. The first commandment, let me go through the first three commandments. Travis Banks, yes, you. it's definitely not whether you missed it or not. It is definitely that you missed it. Okay, the first commandment, real fast, before I go into number three or number four, first commandment is never buy a negative cash flowing deal. And I then walk through, man, There, you missed so much, Travis. Oh, my word, brother. You must have shown up like seven hours late, Okay. Um, this is great. Rafa says, uh, number one, thou, thy shall never buy a negative cash flowing property. 
Okay, thy shall not put thy brain in your neighbor's head. Three, um, when in doubt, wholesale it. Four, thy shall not comment off topic on Pace's YouTube. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it so much. Guys, thank you so much. We have 700 people watching, 700 live people on a Sunday night at 7 o'clock. For some of you guys, it's 9 o'clock in the East Coast. Um, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you guys. Okay. Um, so if you guys are just tuning in, please make sure you have signed up for the Real Estate Campfire. It is our first, mine and Jamil's first um, real estate event. It will be in person. It will be like summer camp. Okay. It'll be like summer camp in Temecula, California. All right. Oh, cool. Les Concepcion says, I was late because I was watching your YouTube video, Structuring a Good Deal. All right. Commandment number four, creative finance, commandment number four. Very important one. A lot of my students know one, two, three, and four. I've actually never listed out all 10 of these. Okay, so this will be really cool. I might not even get through all 10 of them. I might go through like number four, and then we'll do a follow-up for next week. Okay, number four. Know your entry fee. Know your entry fee. Okay. I would say five through 10 are my favorite ones, but the ones through four are the ones that newbies need to hear. Okay. Know your entry fee. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys a really great video. It's been a while. Okay. It's been a while since I posted this one, but it's one that I post, I give to people in my DMs all the time because I get you, I get wholesalers. I get wholesalers that send me deals or at least what they think is a deal. Okay. And they go, Pace, I got a deal for you. And I go, okay, great. What's the entry fee? And they go, what is an entry fee? And I'm like, how do you not know what an entry fee is? I've talked about this on my YouTube channel a thousand times. Well, because people are busy, right? So here you go. I will um, give you guys the link in the side chat right here. There's the link in the side chat. So this video, I think it has like 26,000 views. Yeah, 26,000 views. This actually breaks down entry fee on a whiteboard. This is in my old house. I really hate the branding on this. Sucks. But um, it's a good video. It breaks down exactly what a, uh, an entry fee is and why you need to know it. I'm, wow, a year ago? Feels like this was two years ago. That's amazing. Okay, so this video, oh no, this was more than a year ago. This is probably a year and a half ago. That's really interesting. Okay, cool. So um, go watch this video. Also, if you, go, if you come here, you'll see one that was 10 months ago. Same thing. And let's see if I have any more. How to calculate your offer price. Okay, that's it. I have two videos. I talk about entry fee a lot more in my uh, mentorship, but... In, on YouTube, I have two videos specifically. One has 26,000 views, so that's interesting why that one has so many versus this. Oh, I know why. Because people like whiteboard videos, you know? Like, and my team wasn't doing like pop-ups. So when you're talking about math and like fees and stuff like that, I can see exactly why my team did a bad, we did a really bad job of this. Two minute, 53 second. I wouldn't even watch that video. That thing's basically a waste of time. 
This is the video you want to watch right here. Because I it's me in, a, in front of a, a whiteboard video. I think we hate it because there's just so many things I notice about it that I hate. Um, but, you know, of course, I make progress, post, whatever. You need to know your entry fee. This is such a common thing. If you send me a deal or you send me an email and it doesn't have the entry fee, I have a really, really, really hard time even looking at it because it tells me you don't understand a lot about creative finance. That's, that's fine. But then I spend more time teaching you what an entry fee is than anything else. Okay. So here's actually what I think I'm going to do tonight. I think what I'm going to do tonight is I think I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to hang out with my babies and I'm going to leave you guys with those four commandments as tonight's 40 minute podcast. Okay. I usually will go an hour and a half. This is the first time I've gone 40 minutes in a long time, but I haven't seen my babies in a long time. I, I, I hang out with them 20 minutes this morning, 30 minutes last night. Um, and then I didn't see them five days before that. So I really, really want to go see my babies. So commandments, go back and watch them. I'm going to keep this one short. And then next week I'm going to go, I'm going to go through commandments five through 10. All right. Um, really appreciate you guys. Go watch the, go watch the, um, go watch the entry fee video. That's your homework for the week. I will then see you guys next week on Sunday service. We will do commandments five. There you go. Commandments five through 10. Later guys. Oh.